What's going on, everybody? This is the podcast shout out for our newest episode, and we are highlighting an awesome and quite frankly adorable podcast, and that would be the Two Girls on a Bench podcast. These two ladies, they have an interesting format. They kind of bullshit a little bit, and then they have this interesting little writing thing that they do with other podcasts. It's very interesting and very enlightening as well, and also very silly at times, but still a real, real enjoyment to listen to. So if you have the time, check them out. They are really, really, really awesome. And also... We are going to be taking a bit of a bye week this next episode cycle because we just need to have a little bit of time to, you know, get caught up on other things. I mean, I'm sure that everybody understands, but uh, we will be back after a while and we will be doing an indie movie review. The movie will be Unlisted Owner. It's on Amazon Prime if you want to check it out. It seems like a pretty interesting movie. We're going to check it out here really, 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 really soon. And and on the episode after that, we are going to check out the Steve McQueen car chase classic, Bullet. This is a movie that Robert Ortegon brought to the podcast. As you know, he is quite a car enthusiast, so invariably some of his movies are going to have cars involved with them. He was the one who chose Death Proof. I almost said Death Note. <laughs> But, ladies and gentlemen, tune in after our bye week. We are not giving up on anybody. We just need to take a break. And with all of that out of the way, on with the show. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Dakota Chancellor. This is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, be it dabs, be it blunts, be it joints, whatever it is, smoke it if you've got it. And yeah, we're doing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Woo! Yeah. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Definitely worth it. I mean, I've only yeah, seen it a definitely. few times. Yeah, yeah, this is this is good times, everybody. This is going to be a pretty laid back podcast, more or less. I mean, it's not nearly as uh, I don't know what the word would be to say about the last one. I mean, disturbing. <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> it, it's a disturbing movie. But Ichi the Killer is fun for me. Oh I yeah, mean, it's that, fun. But this movie is even better. We honestly. recommend we recommend this one. Oh yeah, th- this is one of the great classic comedies. This pretty much set the foundation for modern comedy in general. Yeah, stuff like Family Guy, like whatever TV skit you see, yeah. you know, TV yeah, show, you know? yeah, such a cult classic. I mean, I, I guess you can also say Rick and Morty, to de- to a degree. Really? Yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. some oh, of their yeah. some of the more absurd elements of their, especially the more philosophical elements of their comedy. 
that's starting you know? to show in other TV shows and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it it is. It's starting to really, really manifest. I mean, it started manifesting earlier, you know, like with a lot of the animated comedies came out in the right. late 90s and early 2000s, but definitely set some things in motion as far as comedy is concerned. Like, so. remember Kung Pao at that time, Enter the Fist in like 2000, dude? Oh, oh yeah, man, that's a great movie, and that's a movie we will do at some point. Mine's been a lot of that. Too. Oh, they, there's a, there's some shots in Kung Pao that are almost lifted from straight from exactly Monty Python. In the same right? It's like yeah, it's like crazy. Yeah, no shit. Like that whole running scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously. But Monty Python started off as a television show initially, and it that's pretty much where the foundation of their comedy was set. I mean, there were a lot of great skits. You know, like there was I think the Lumberjack song that was one of them. That was really really interesting, and uh, also the uh, silly. The Silly Walks. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that on YouTube. Nope. Oh, man, that, no. that's some funny stuff. Or, you know, the the uh, spam. Or, you know, spam, spam, spam. That that one. Y'all never seen that? No. No, I've never seen the I TV show. What is wrong with you people? I know that spam, the term referring to, like, ma- spam mail and spam email, spam calls. No, this is Monty Python. Yeah, 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 and, and they're that's crazy, and they're literally referencing spam. There, it's, it's a wow. great skit. You know, the Spanish Inquisition, of course. That's another great. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. That's a great one. Oh, that's pretty funny. They condensed most all of their classic sketches into their first movie, which was called "And Now for Something Completely Different." That's a reference to what every episode of Flying Circus would start off with. They would have John Cleese at a desk, and he would say, "And now for something completely different." And then it would go into the actual theme song with the animation by Terry Gilliam. And that had quite a few seasons on the BBC. And, well, the show the show did. I mean, the movie was released. It got some good reviews, you know. But it was just basically a rehash of what was on Flying Circus. But this movie that we're doing today, Monty Python, this is where they actually tried to make a really structured movie with, from original material and not from their previous sketches. We're actually watching it right now. I just yeah. have to look over here. <laughs> Put it on one more time again. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. We, we watched it before we started the podcast. Movie but review, too. Th- this movie was also Terry Gilliam and Terry Jones's first movie that they directed together. And I, and I think that they went on to, do, or at least Terry Gilliam went on to direct the other Python movies, the first of which was uh, Life of Brian, which is a satirical almost farcical take on the story of Jesus. There's this guy named Brian. He's mistaken for the Messiah, and mishaps happen. You know, hilarity ensues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Meaning of Life is this really, really multi-layered and philosophical movie that also kind of has a little bit of political undertones to it. That's really interesting. And there's always a political undertone to Monty Python's actual humor. You know, especially in this movie, there's there's a few scenes that we will discuss here in a little bit that honestly kind of put forth uh, their actual understanding of certain socioeconomic philosophies and also just philosophy in general, but especially in Meaning of Life. It was really, really interesting. Now, these guys are silent because they haven't seen these movies. Have y'all? Nope. No. Oh. I mean, I've seen stuff like this. I mean, Honestly, am I going to have to revoke y'all cinephile cards? <laughs> oh. Am I going to have to revoke the y'all motherfuckers? I, I think we're going to have to have an injunction on the internet or something. We'll, we'll, we'll take it to Reddit. It's a bad idea. Yeah, we'll go, go to r slash movie circle jerk. <laughs> I mean, there. Holy Grail is a classic for me. 
But other than that, mm-hmm. I've never seen any other Monty Python. I'd love to. I want to. Yeah, with, with the beauty of this one, if it's anything like this. Oh, well, yeah. the critical consensus is that Life of Brian is actually better than Mon- uh, Monty Python. Yeah, and that's what they say. Right? Yeah, yeah. All with with the meaning of life coming up a very, very solid third. And of course, you know, and now for something completely different, that's kind of a throwaway movie in some sense, you know. Mm-hmm. It was their first introduction to uh, American audiences, but, you know, even so, you can kind of skip it. It's better to just watch the series. You can get the sketches in their original context. That makes sense. Yeah. And Terry Gilliam became a serious director in his own right. He's directed some really classic movies, some of which are like really awesome sci-fi movies with interesting characters, interesting uh, undertones and themes. The most memorable of his movies is Brazil. This was basically his take on a 1984 style Orwellian dystopia. But it, it's, a, it's a little more nuanced, I think, in many, many ways. I'm not really going to spoil it. That's a movie that we will do on the podcast eventually. I mean, I have the Criterion Collection, and man, it, it actually underwent some different cuts. There, there, was, like, there was a producer cut. It had a happier ending. The actual cut that uh, you're supposed to watch, Terry Gilliam's cut, that uh, has a more pessimistic ending, to say the least. But it's something that y'all got to see. And he also did Time Bandits, which is about a kid who hooks up with some uh, little people who are traveling through time, and they are, they're like, I don't really remember the plot of that movie. It's been a long time, but <laughs> yeah. let's just say, once again, hilarity ensues. <laughs> and he did Jabberwocky, which was just kind of his take on Lewis Carroll-type storytelling. I mean, I, I, think it was, I think it was his take on the actual Jabberwocky you know, part of... The, you know, Alice in Wonderland and everything. Yeah. And he did a movie with John Cleese at, and Michael Palin as well called the, A Fish Called Wanda. That's another classic kind of silly farcical movie. I haven't really seen that one, but that's come highly recommended. And he's making a movie that has been in development hell for ages. He's, fi- he's finally making this, supposedly. It's, it's his take on the story of Don Quixote, which is supposed to be really, really absurd and... You know, nobody has really done Don Quixote in a way that's really satisfying, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, his film, his filmography, also 12 Monkeys. That's another part of his filmography. <laughs> that has uh, Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt. 12 it, Monkeys. Oh, what? It's a very, very interesting movie. It, it, it's based off of a French film called La Jete, I think that's what it's called. I might be wrong. Correct me on Twitter and everything. Now, this was filmed on a 229,000-pound budget maybe a little higher than that and it was mainly funded by some interesting rock stars right right robert yeah yeah clapton yeah harris george harrison yeah george harrison was one of them he took he took a lot of interest in a lot of movies actually and he tried to get funding for movies that otherwise wouldn't be seen pink floyd yeah yeah the guys from pink floyd i think roger waters really liked it George Harrison, I believe, because, you know, there's all those animated scenes that, you know, they had to be on some kind of acid. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like Crazy, man. Yeah. If you ever seen Yellow Submarine, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yellow Submarine has a very surreal quality similar to Gilliam's animation. Although Gilliam's animation is meant to be satirical at right. its core, you know, it's, but it has its own kind of flow and structure to it. Like, very, very surreal, you know, just absurd in every sense. And, and that animation style was used to good effect in this movie to kind of save on special effects and uh, yeah. set design and everything. It actually helped kind of move the story along at certain points. What story there is here. Like with the yeah. dragon, the main part, right? 
That's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also a lot of the other kind of non sequitur transitions. Like there was some interesting stuff. Like, you know, the dude that's writing the Sir Robin title card and he gets interrupted by the sun and a bunch oh, of right, yeah, exercising. Uh, yeah, that shit was crazy. But I mean, that also saved a lot on the budget. Oh, I bet. Know? I mean, it's, yeah, they yeah. do all the special effects now. They can and do. also, they, they used, um, everybody played multiple roles in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you saw Eric Idle a lot in this movie, John Cleese, Michael Palin, Terry Gilliam. He actually makes an appearance as an animator, and he just croaks real quick, and that's when that beast goes away. Yeah. <laughs> that's classic. I mean, supposedly... Like uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, they also uh, had a hand in this movie, and they did it to get around England's draconian tax laws at the time. Like they, it was really just a way to kind of hide some of their income, you know, what little income they had at the time. So yeah, it, it, it had its own interesting little uh, financing, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Right there, I mean, one scene with the Black Knight right yeah. now. Oh yeah, that's great. We're, we're <laughs> gonna get into those scenes here pretty soon. It's pretty funny because we we talked about each of the killer and the crazy scenes with all the blood gushing and stuff. But this movie has a lot of that too. Oh yeah, this, this is actually a pretty bloody movie. Oh yeah, you actually think about it. Yeah, the wedding massacre and all that. I mean, also the the ending scene with the, with the bunny rabbit. Oh, <laughs> the killer yeah. rabbit. Fucking the cheap gore in this movie is awesome. Oh man, yeah. it's it's amazing. It's, it's amazing that this movie is kind of seen as PG. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just because it's just so silly, and there's just so many jokes going on that you know you can't take that gore seriously. At Not all. really. No. <laughs> Still holds up gotta... for 1974. Yeah, it does. It it really really holds up. It looks like it looks good, and it's still done on the cheap. But just just in the way that they present it, the way they show it, it actually you know. It actually makes sense. And also, I mean, the budget really, really influenced a lot of the plot and also a lot of how Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam approached uh, the directing of this movie. Like, I mean, a lot of forced perspective shots were used, like uh, Camelot in that one scene before the Camelot's uh, uh, the sing-along, you know, the Camelot singing part, uh -huh. the musical part. Like, that that was actually just a cardboard cutout up on a, on a steep hill. And it was just a forced perspective. And also there's that scene where it looks like they're walking out of that skull oh, with, with Tim. Yeah, that, that is oh, yeah. really good. That That is so memorable. That's beautiful. I love that. Cinematography in this, it's nothing to laugh at even with the low budget, you know? Yeah, and especially all the detail that's put into the set design and everything. Yeah. I they mean, they, they actually rented it at a real castle to film like the wedding scene and everything. And also the scenes with the Frenchman. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's all. That's all pretty much the same castle all the way throughout. Smart idea. Yeah. Well, once again, saving time and on their budget. You right. Know, saves then, time, saves money. Yeah, and the the women when he go the, when his Khaled had goes into the women with the women. Yeah. That ca it was a castle. Yeah. It, it's pretty much the same one. That's crazy. Yeah. May, maybe with just a little more, or or it may have been a cutout. I'm not sure. You know, or a matte painting or something like that. That's what they used back then. And also, I mean, the art direction for God. You know, the uh, the animation <laughs> yeah. of God? Yeah. That, that was, was funny. funny. I believe he was either a folk singer or a boxer in Britain. Either one of them. I don't. I can't remember, but he was well-known in British culture, actually. Don't grovel. I hate it when people grovel. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the way that they portray God is so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, she's a witch. Burn her. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, love it. Eric Idle just play every role. Every role. Hilarious. <laughs> Come <laughs> on.
You fight with the strength of many men, Sir Knight. I am Arthur, King of the Britons. I seek the finest and the bravest knights in the land to join me in my court at Camelot. You have proved yourself worthy. Will you join me? You make me sad. So be it. Come, Patsy. None shall pass. What? None shall pass. I have no quarrel with you, good Sir Knight. But I must cross this bridge. Then you shall die. I command you, as King of the Britons, to stand aside. I move for no man. So be it. <laughs> <laughs> Now stand aside, worthy adversary. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that, then? I've heard worse. You liar! Come on, you pansy! Victory is mine! We thank thee, Lord, that in thy mind... Come on, then! What? How about you? You are indeed brave tonight, but the fight is mine. Oh, had enough, eh? Look, you stupid bastard, you've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look! Just a flesh wound. Look, stop that! Chicken! Chicken! Look, I'll have your leg. Right! Right, I'll do you for that. You what? Come here! What are you going to do, bleed on me? I'm invincible! You're a loony. The Black Knight always triumphs! Come on, then. Oh. All right. We'll call it a draw. Come, Patsy. Oh, oh, I see. Running away, eh? You yellow bastard! Come back here and take what's coming to you! I'll bite your legs off! And, of course, most infamously, this influenced their procurement of horses, or lack thereof. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the whole coconut spiel. It's like, which is brilliant. Should have got coconuts so just for this. Yeah, we should have. We should have just got them coconuts. Like, that would have been so awesome. Where did you get those coconuts? Yeah, they, they even lampshaded. Where, why are they get the coconuts? Like, at the beginning of the movie, they lampshaded. It's so, it's so brilliant. And then they just never fucking bring it up again. Never. They bring Never. up the swallows, though. They bring up the yeah. swallows again, but they don't bring up the coconuts. Could have been carried by a swallow. No way a swallow could do that. What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? <laughs> and the actual ending. Oh, man, the ending is just so out of nowhere. I mean, it, it's a really interesting story about how they did that. They, they literally just ran out of money there. Yeah. I mean, wow. that's, that's why it, it ended so abruptly. They, they were going to have a big battle scene, but they just couldn't get to it because the budget ran dry. So they just had that scene where the cops came in. and <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. That's and like just a 
they just uh, pretty much uh, corral everybody and arrest all the yeah. fucking pythons yeah. and everything. I always but, found that as a cheap way out. You know, like, I watched yep. all this movie. And it looks I like they're that but, way. But, LARPing or something. And, and it's literally because it's a cheap way <laughs> yeah, out. Exactly. That's literally what it was. And I mean, they literally had the entire crew that was working on that up to that point. They uh, had them all in costume and everything. They even had some of their kids up in that crowd. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And it's really, really impressive how they shot it. They, they really made it look like it was a lot more people than there actually was. Like, it was really, really interesting how the photography kind of implied that. The right? ending, that makes sense. That it was a low-budget way out because mm -hmm. the film had run out of money. I'd always been confused about the ending, you know? Exactly. When my mom showed us this movie, she said she didn't like the ending. And I was just, I was curious about that. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the reason for it. I mean, it was yeah. just literally a... a practical issue that they just had to overcome and just say all right well you know what we have enough footage let's just end it here and put this movie together and yeah the editing is really really awesome as well because you know there's not really much of a real overarching plot to this i mean it's more like a stream of consciousness in a way mm -hmm. i mean it literally goes from point a to point b and goes in all kinds of different little curves and everything but you know, it, it never actually stops and goes back to anything unless it's just like a little callback to a joke, like especially near the end with the French again. Oh, yeah. The narrative flow of this movie, it, it's really interesting. Yeah. Almost like a like a lack of flow. Right. Um, but just this mythological story involving King Arthur told through antics. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> antics, are, that's an understatement, man. Like, <laughs> you, gotta, you have to realize that this is all done in real time. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, very much so. Cop cars, and then there's a reporter, and then there's modern and then, times. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's the actual one recurring thing that closely resembles a plot to it. Yeah. You right. know, that, that strings everything together. And I really like the scene with, like, the famous historian. That That's clever. It's just a single guy in a forest. Is like they try to give him some authority, and then he's just randomly killed. <laughs> right. And it's great because he's... he's it, it just melds the two periods together. It's like it's no longer a period piece by oh, yeah. that point, and that's what allows the cops to actually come into play. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they ju it, it's really just a device to set up the ending. A famous historian. Yeah. That, that guy's death is the closest thing to an actual plot that there is here. Right. Like, straight up. But, man, it's, it's very, very funny, and it's really, really well shot. Yeah, the uh, guy on the horse he just comes out of nowhere, you know, and it's and it doesn't seem to be any of the actual Python characters. It's just a random knight that just comes out of nowhere and just random. <laughs> yeah, and and it, and it also undercuts the fact that it's all a movie, and and they, and they reference that a lot. They break the fourth wall constantly, and that that's kind of a thing that they really really kind of created and then perfected was the fourth wall break. Right. I mean, they, they really, really knew when to just kind of stop and look at the audience and say, do y'all like this scene? We should have cut this scene. I think that it's the best scene ever. It's well acted. You know, and of course, you know what scene I'm referencing, the scene at the, at the convent. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> with with uh, Sir Galahad the chased. There's critical consensus that that scene should have been cut out completely. Oh, they referenced that in the movie. Is this scene dragging on too long? Should this scene have, should have been cut? That's what the Zoot says. And then everybody is just like, get on with it. Get on with it. <laughs> They're just like, fuck it. Just keep going. It just keeps going and going and going. And that's what's so awesome about it. I mean, there, it, it has an ebb and a flow yeah. to it. Like, especially with the comedy. I got to show you year one with Jack Black and Michael Cera, dude. Year one? Seriously? Yeah. 
Are you sure, it's bro? Pretty, it pretty much <laughs> goes from the Stone Age to like Ken and Abel to the fucking like knights. And so that kind of reminds you of like that type of period piece, kind of like this. The movie, pretty much, like pretty much the way. It yeah, is, I can. Yeah. I guess I can kind of see that. Crusades I, I, I got to show too, though. I mean, in many ways, that's almost what. That's pretty much what they did in Life of Brian. I've never seen that again. Huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to show that to you guys, and that's a very important movie actually because that was one of their more controversial ones. Because, I mean, they, they were depicting pretty much a person who's mistaken for the Messiah, you know? Yeah. And, and who's also a contemporary of Jesus Christ. Christ actually appears in the movie briefly huh. a couple of times, but the movie is not about him. It's about this guy, Brian. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. It's a great movie. It really is. Um, Amanda, I, I mean, I love the scenes with the French guys at the castle. Each and every oh one of those. I mean, those insults and those taunts. Yes. I mean, they're, they're so brazen and just so, like, fuck you. Yes. I mean, you just can't help but love those guys. Uh, it was well executed. Was yeah, great. I mean, I, I'm rooting for the French. Of course. Yeah. Okay. I, it's like, they, they're the protagonists. Right, Well, because you realize how stupid Arthur is, like, immediately. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, 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 he feigns to be king, but he's not even recognized by most of his subjects. Yeah, and somehow he's able to fight with the sword really well. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand well, that. Where does that come from? Well, I mean, it is Excalibur, but I mean, yeah. that's, point. Fair point. That is, that's beside the point. I think, honestly, it's beside the point. But it leads to that scene with the anarcho-syndicalist commune, <laughs> which is just really, really interesting. If you have any idea of the dynamics of left-wing politics, you know, if you have any yeah. involvement, especially here in America, you'll see the patterns there. You'll be like, oh yeah, I've recognized this shit. Like you also see that a lot in the life of Brian. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean the the pythons are all they've always had a political undertone to their comedy, like always. Was like it you who was an anarcho syndicalist, Bo? I would say I was probably close to that. Nowadays, I'm probably just more democratic socialist. Yeah. <laughs> Don't at us. We're not interested in political debates. But yeah, I mean there is a political there is a political undercurrent to their humor and everything that is really really interesting and really really. Really, really thought-provoking, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the subtle jabs of politics in Rick and Morty. You know, when you see them, you know, it's there, but... You kind of don't know what to think about it, but you yeah. know it's there. Yeah, you don't know what to think about it. I mean, and you don't really make a uh, an opinion of it. It's, it's, it's not right. there to force you to make an opinion about it. It's there to make you just think about it. Right. You know? That is, in my opinion, the most intelligent scene in this movie, is the yeah. anarcho-syndicalist uh -huh. comedy scene, the intelligent humor. Because it, it also lays bare the basic tenets of that particular uh, philosophic branch of anarchism. Yeah. You know, you know it's worker-based, collective-based, you know. Strange women in puns delivering swords is no basis for a system of government. Yes. And he's got a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck King Arthur. He's just a servant <laughs> of the ultimate authority. <laughs> we all know. I and mean, we're not going to go there, but we all know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that scene is so classic. And, and you know, whenever uh, whenever King Arthur grabs him and he's like, oh, look, the system is repressing me. This is repression. Look. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. It, I'm being repressed. I'm being repressed. And it's like th th by a guy who can't even, who won't even be recognized by most of the people who are his subjects. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we're at the scene where they're first encountering the French, the Frenchmen in the castle. Okay, flying cows. Look, Bo, it's me. The French guys, oh. the French guys in the castle. All right, 
do you guys remember VeggieTales? I remember VeggieTales. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's these French peas on the walls of Jericho. Oh, my God. And it's, I got to say, it's a, it's a reference to Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It has seriously, to be. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking VeggieTales. Oh, my God. <laughs> Brings me back to my churchy days. My church days. <laughs> Those were interesting times. <laughs> Of course, this the individual story arcs with Sir Lancelot and Sir Galahad and Sir Robin. Those were really, really interesting. Like, for instance, Sir Robin. Like, he, it's pretty much established early on that Sir Robin's kind of a coward. Like, in right. that book scene. It's, just, it's well established. But he just, he really, really, really just cuts and runs, man. And it's just <laughs> like... Over a dude that he could probably easily take. I mean, it's a three-headed guy. How much could he really do? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what what the, what the fuck is he actually going to do to you? To Sir Robin? Yeah, it's Sir like you, you, you just fucking I don't know, slice blow or something. It's like, you <laughs> fucking take him. I mean, he's got a he's got a wide base. You could probably just kick him and he'll topple over. <laughs> I mean, Chop off, you know, the in two legs. Oh, yeah, that's right, because, you know, invariably there has to be three legs there as well. The, the Trojan rabbit scene. Oh, the Trojan <coughs> rabbit scene. <laughs> so fucking brilliant because they're, they're just so dense and they just... Absolutely. They finally realize, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to be in there? Yeah, the Trojan horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, oh, man, that's so funny. And then they just launch the Trojan rabbit back at them. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rabbit, by the way. Yes. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, there's lots of references to rabbits in this movie. You know, going back to the killer rabbit scene. Yeah, oh God, yes. You know, that that was a neighbor's rabbit? That was a neighbor's rabbit, yeah. That was just a local lady that was uh, in the adjacent property from where they were shooting. They asked if they could use the rabbit, and she was none too happy about the blood all over the poor yeah. thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was less like, than Obviously, it wasn't harmed or anything, but... You know, it did. It was stained in blood very briefly. You That's can see crazy. it in the movie. Yeah. And she wasn't happy about that. I, don't I bet th- not. I don't think I would be either. Well, Bo, we all, we all know that you wouldn't be happy about animal cruelty. Oh, of course not. Guys, we've got to do Milo and Otis now. Oh, yes. Oh, no. No. You're, you're, you're going to. Oh, if you. No, I, I'll just show you motherfuckers earthlings and just get it over with. <laughs> like, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of earthlings. I never have. No, I don't think so. It's literally just two hours of actual recorded animal cruelty from agricultural farms and stuff. Wow, that's cool. Well, I've seen something like that in, uh, close. Oh, it's it's disheartening. The same. Who are they? We are the keepers of the sacred words. Ni, Peng, and Niwom. Those who hear them seldom live to tell the tale. The knights who say Ni demand a sacrifice. Knights of Ni, we are but simple travelers who seek the enchanter who lives beyond these woods. Ni, 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 
a shrubbery. You must return here with a shrubbery, or else you will never pass through this wood alive. Oh, knights of me, you are just and fair, and we will return with a shrubbery. One that looks nice. Of course. And not too expensive. Yes. Now, go! <coughs> Is there anywhere in this town where we could buy a shrubbery? Who sent you? The knights who say ni. Ah, no. No, but we have no shrubberies here. If you do not tell us where we can buy a shrubbery, my friend and I will say... We will say... Ni. Ah, do your worst. Very well. If you will not assist us voluntarily, Ni. No! Never! No shrubbery! Ni! No! No, 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 it's not that. It's ni. No! No, no, ni. You're not doing it properly. Ni. 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 That's it. That's it. You've got it. Ni. 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 Are you saying ni to that old woman? Um, yes. Oh, what sad times are these when passing ruffians can say ni at will to old ladies. There is a pestilence upon this land. Nothing is sacred. Even those who arrange and design shrubberies are under considerable economic stress at this period in history. Did you say shrubberies? Yes. Shrubberies are my trade. I am a shrubber. My name is Roger the Shrubber. I arrange, design, and sell shrubberies. But anyway... You can see that kind of stuff on Instagram. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like you can. Like I, I, I've oh, been yeah. on Instagram and seen it, and they have to sh- like have the sensor. They have to, like, you have to tap it to see it because it's hidden because it's so like yeah. not age-appropriate. It's, out- it's outrageous. And yet I'm looking at a fucking Slim Jim package. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. I forgot. We have a vegan on set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm a vegan. <laughs> you a CrossFitter too? What the fuck? <laughs> this motherfucker. Did you did y'all fucking hear this shit? Do you eat kale and drink kombucha? I don't drink the kombucha because that's a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> There's I mean that I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. There's some parts of veganism that's just kind of silly, you know, and kombucha is part of that. But it's like I don't need no matcha powder. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you people? I can go to fucking Taco Bell and eat vegan. Yeah. yeah. But anyways. The witch trial scene, man. We we referenced that earlier, but man, that's so brilliant because it just shows how it deconstructs how logic works in in these types of legends, you know. Especially whenever a woman is involved, yeah. Because I mean, there, there was a, a lot of really really obvious sexual and uh, gender repression going on there. I mean, especially just the actual image of a witch. You She's know, a witch. Burn her. Burn her. And, and they, they actually have to put on what is typically the popular, 
you know, image of a witch with the big fake worded nose, no, yes. fake nose, and the and the hat and everything. Yeah. Yes, it's perfect. It's a funnel and a carrot. <laughs> it's, it's like they're that desperate to burn someone, and it's like they're literally just being busybodies. Salem witch trials. Yeah, that, that's literally yeah. all that is. Motherfuckers being busybodies over shit they don't need to be busybodies over. Pretty much, yeah. That's pretty much what all that was, and that that and that scene pretty much kind just, of elucidates that just perfectly. Finding any excuse to burn her, really? Yeah, just seriously, like, or torture them. That I mean, that's pretty much what that was. Dakota, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're gonna do uh, Town of Salem as an indie game. Oh God, yes. gaming. Yeah, Ooh. we have to. Time, Town of Salem. Nice. So, that's yeah, like that's, uh, that's that's that one like strategy game that y'all play where yeah, y'all have that's to. Well, I was showing you before. Yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds it seems interesting. It's pretty fun. Would you ever want to do uh, the Crucible on the podcast? Ooh, I would like one. to do the Crucible. Yeah. yeah. That would that'd be an interesting movie to do. Arthur Miller. That would that would be interesting. Or the Craft. How about that, Robert? With the the witches, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the Teen Witches. I yeah. do I do have that. Oh, we should watch that. That 1996 seven stuff. Yeah, that's like a contemporary of like the faculty. Nev Campbell. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. That was back in the day. There you go. Just <clears throat> bad. What you guys know about that, Nev Campbell? <laughs> what y'all know about that Scream the shit? first Scream 1 and 2? No. Nope. Nope. I know y'all haven't seen Scream. <clears throat> scream? The fuck is wrong with these kids, people? No. What the fuck is wrong with these <laughs> no. children? No. No. I wonder what they made the three-person shirt out of. Whose shirt? The three-person shirt. Ugh. Oh, I'm sure they fabricated it on their own. I mean, they had a costume in the department at, at least. Makes sense. You know, they, they 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 knew their way around how to, you know, design a set and how to design costumes and everything. I mean, it's really, really spot on here. Like, for instance, the, the minstrels that follow Sir Robin. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're, they're the so best. I love that. Robin, the brave Sir Robin. He's got a tail that ran away. <laughs> really? <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's so classic. I mean, Sir, Sir Robin, his his arc is just great. It, it it just further establishes who he is as a character, and it. The Knights of the Round Table. The Knights Lancelot, of the Round Table scene, yeah. That's, Galahad, they're all they're all given yep. roles. Yeah, yeah. They're supposed to be twelve, but. <laughs> well, they they didn't have enough people to do twelve. So t- to be honest with you, there were points where I kind of like forgot how many there were because they they kill one off and you just kind of forget about them. Yeah, and, and then the, there's the one that isn't in this film. Yeah, just <laughs> randomly, sir, not appearing in this movie. And then and then at the end, of course, the three of them die. Of course, you know. Yeah. So I mean that that's kind of how they cut that little loose end right there. And, then, and, and also, you know, at the bridge scene, which yeah, is exactly. hilarious in its own right, when the old man is asking the questions, like they they pretty much kill off some people as well. They kill off Sir Robin, actually. Yeah, they do. And Galahad. I think Galahad. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Galahad's uh, Galahad's arc is so great. <laughs> oh, the, all those women. Yeah. What do y'all think, guys? Robert, Robert what do you think? Oh, hilarious! Uh, I love myself in and that. the oral sex. <laughs> it's like okay. Yeah, sounds yeah, good to me. That sounds good to me. I'm all, I'm down. <laughs> Screw off, guys! Don't come and save me from this. I, 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 oh, that's that's like the heartbreaking I moment know. there. It's like I I would I would start swinging probably. Uh-huh. <laughs> I start swinging that sword at them like get the fuck back, ladies. Get 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 in, in the other room. <laughs> and then when they're in, it's like like look, guys, I'm gonna fucking score. We can all score here. There's like 150 exactly. of these women. I mean, in the end, you know, if you want to have some fun and they're willing, fuck it, right? you right. Consensually. Yeah, consensually, of course. We condone that. Yeah, we condone consent. <laughs> I don't know why we say that. But. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, th- those ladies were definitely willing. I mean, they were just... They were down. It's like, that, that's good. I mean, it's a little male fantasy thing, but I mean, it's <laughs> still kind of fun. 
It still looks like fun, I, if I do say so myself. Girls like DTF, too. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know if we should go down that that's go fucking down path. That rabbit hole. That rabbit hole. That, yes. ra- that rabbit hole. <laughs> Once again, going back to rabbits here. Rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> and Lancelot's scene at the wedding massacre. Oh uh-huh. my god! Once again, it goes back to that gore that was there. I mean, it's there, it's not really, really bloody, but there's just enough of it to really kind of show how brutal his assault is. Yeah. You know, and and the fact that it's pretty much started over a false pretext. He thinks that he's saving a princess, but it's actually this dude's son who's a prince. I just want to sing. No, 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 not happening here. <laughs> Bring Put out your up. dead. <laughs> Bring out your dead. That's a great scene as well. And that that's early on, and that has an ad-libbed line of dialogue from Eric Idle, actually. That's cool. Yeah, the whole, uh, you know, oh, he's a, he must be a king or something. It's like, how do you know? It's like, oh, he doesn't have shit all over him. <laughs> That's perfect. That's hilarious. Right before the anarcho-syndicalist. Yeah. And, yeah, al- and right also, before. you know, Tim, you know, it's like, my name is Tim. 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 That, like John Cleese. Like, like, his name. That was an ad-lib, yeah. too, because he, he had this really, really complicated and funny name, but he just said, Tim? <laughs> it's like, that was him forgetting his lines, and they were just like, perfect. We're, they rolled keeping, with it. They rolled with it. It's so brilliant. I love it. Yeah, the bring out your dead scene is so well detailed when you really think about it because you know who knows how many uh, peasants were actually thrown out thinking that they were dead but they weren't you know was that black the, plague or the something black, the black plague oh, yeah, the, yeah the great death yeah i mean that was a terrible period in human history lots of people died and probably a lot of people who were still alive were probably buried yeah. and killed oh the fucking middle ages dude but they just completely fucking shit all over that <laughs> yeah we're all having trouble Focusing because of the scene. Yeah. I'm watching the girl scene now. <laughs> Dakota, that's your male fantasy speaking. No yeah, problem. Jesus Christ. Your toxic masculinity, you asshole. <laughs> Whatever. Jesus Christ. Check your privilege. That's right. Now, the interesting thing about this movie is what it deconstructs and the different type of themes that are present here. Like, we touched on the more political parts of it but there's other elements where it's very deconstructive and that's in a meta narrative sense oh yeah for people who don't know you know a meta narrative that's basically your basic storyline that has a moral to it it has a point it has something you know to teach you more or less they completely fucking shoot that to shit in this movie there's nothing there's there's nothing to learn here (laughs) i mean it, it 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 feigns to have some type of you know, structure like that to it. Because of its structuralist nature, it doesn't have a point. And that's the best <laughs> part of the movie. Especially, yeah. yeah, with the no ending. There's I mean, really, yeah, yeah, there's no point to all of this. You there's know, especially, with, yeah, Robert, especially with that ending, it's just, it's just basically one long non sequitur moment after another after another. You're yeah. right. You know, and I mean, that just goes against the conventions of narrative, especially when it comes to the uh, Arthurian legend, you know, mm-hmm. which has a very basic structure to it. You know, it has very well fleshed out characters, you know, which are, you know, they're fleshed out enough that you know who they are, but, you know, they're vague enough that you can pretty much adhere any type of archetype you want to them, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And also, I mean, because there's no point to this, you know, I mean, it also shows that, I mean, Arthurian legend is kind of silly in its own right. And it has narrative tropes and you know it's silly that people ever believe that it's a real thing i mean i'm sure there's people who really think that there's a holy grail yeah you know 
And, and that in its own right is absurd, which is actually what's kind of the point of this movie as well is just the absurdity of life and the absurdity of, of human endeavor. Right. Didn't you say earlier that even Hitler searched yeah. for the Holy Grail? It's like searching yeah. for a higher power pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Even, 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 yeah. even the third Reich was searching for the Holy Grail and they, they were mm-hmm. interested in the occult. Uh, it reminds me of Indiana Jones. Yes. Raiders of the Last Ark. And Raiders. then And then the <laughs> Ar- Holy Grail is in The Last Crusade. Yeah. That, that, that's an interesting movie to kind of tie into Monty Python I think it was the Holy Grail. The Ark of the Covenant too, right? Search from both of them. Yeah, that, yeah. that's that's Raiders. And then, yeah. and then they took a trip to India in the second one. Temple of Doom's the best. A lot of people say that. I mean, yeah. I think that is a pretty solid movie. Yeah. I, I can't I can't stand the the kid and the girl though. I can't Mr. stand Jones. either. Mr. Jones. I can't stand either the, of them. It's <laughs> funny. They're, they're just they're just completely not a good foil to Indy at all. We step on fortune cookies. But another thing that's deconstructed is how cinema is supposed to work as well. Going back to, you know, the actual narrative structure, and when it comes to cinematic narrative, you know, the way that this movie is actually structured completely flies in the face of what you would expect out of a movie. Oh, like, yeah. like we said, there's no real plot and there's no point to it. Yeah, well, they get they get so meta. I mean, they skip ahead. They're in some scenes and they'll skip ahead to f- scenes that haven't even happened yet. Yeah, they'll have characters who are, haven't even been shown yet actually saying, get on with it. Exactly. They even have the cr- the crowd from the ending. Yes. Like very briefly just say, get on with it. And also, you know, the animated version of God. Of course. Of course, you know. <laughs> that, that's so... And they also reference uh, different scenes in, right. in the movie. They also reference the actual diegetics of the movie, the diegesis of it, right. you know, which is everything in the background that just makes up the actual form of the movie. I'm not old. Well, I can't just call you ma'am. You could say Dennis. I didn't know you were called Dennis. Well, you didn't bother to find out, did you? I did say sorry about the old woman, but from behind you looked... What I object to is you automatically treat me like an inferior. Well, I am king. Oh, king, eh? Very nice. And how do you get that, eh? By exploiting the workers. By hanging on to outdated imperialist dogma which perpetuates the economic and social differences in our society. If there's ever going to be any progress... Dennis, there's some lovely filth down here. Oh, how do you do? How do you do, good lady? I'm Arthur, King of the Britons. Whose castle is that? King of the who? The Britons. Who are the Britons? Well, we all are. We are all Britons. And I am your king. I didn't know we had a king. I thought we were an autonomous collective. You're fooling yourself. We're living in a dictatorship. A self-perpetuating autocracy in which the working classes... Oh, there you go, bringing class into it again. That's what it's all about. If only people would... Please, please, good people, I am in haste. Who lives in that castle? No one lives there. Then who is your lord? We don't have a lord. What? I told you, we're an anarcho-syndicalist commune. 
We take it in turns to act as a sort of executive officer for the week. Yes. But all the decisions of that officer have to be ratified at a special bi-weekly meeting. Yes, I see. By a simple majority in the case of purely internal affairs. Be quiet. But by a two-thirds majority in the case be, of more... Be quiet. I order you to be quiet. Order? Who does he think he is? <laughs> I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Well, how do you become king, then? The Lady of the Lake, her arm clad in the purest shimmering Samite, held aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur. That is why I'm your king. Listen, strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. Be quiet! Oh, but you can't expect to wield supreme executive power just because some watery tart threw a sword at you. Shut up! Oh, but if I went round saying I was an emperor just because some moistened bint had lobbed a scimitar at me, they'd put me away. Shut up! Will you shut up? Ah, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh, come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help! Help! I'm being repressed, bloody peasant! Oh, what a giveaway. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, eh? That's you know, I mean, a lot of that goes back to that set design as well and the detail put into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's so detailed, but there's so much absurdity and nothing going on. You know, it's just yeah. one joke after the other after the other. And it's something that's so well shot and so well staged. Yeah. And wet, well costumed and everything. It, it just completely flies in the face of what you would expect, especially from a King Arthur movie. You know, which has been a genre of film for quite some time. And that, that's directly what this movie was also parodying a little bit, was the Arthurian movies of yore. Yeah. Like, for instance, the scene where at, at Camelot, where everybody is singing and everything, it's like, that's a direct, direct fuck you to the serious tone of whenever the knights would actually enter Camelot. It was always this very pomp and yeah. grandiose and serious thing. You know, they would... They would come in, they go to the round table, they'd sit down, they'd discuss affairs. Camelot's a silly place. <laughs> no, on second level, let's not go to Camelot. Tis a silly place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best thing. After all of that, after seeing Camelot, they don't even actually go no. there. They start their quest for the Holy Grail with God in the sky. Yeah. And then and then the Black Knight scene. Oh, the Black Knight scene. Finish him. That's yeah. what it reminds me of, you know, the, the Tis but a flesh wound. Tis a flesh yes. wound. It's only a flesh wound. It's like a Mortal Kombat. Oh, of course. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, the gore, the arms being chopped off. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was so silly. Like, Ichi the killer, we just saw. Yes, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Once again, that's very silly and outrageous gore. But I mean, that's that's used to more disturbing effect in Ichi the Killer. But oh, yeah. uh, Dakota, Mortal Kombat. When are we gonna do that on our podcast? Oh God, yeah. Which one? Which ones will we do? One of the newer ones, maybe like 10, or do it you want to start like in the beginning? 11. 11, 11 is right. supposed to have yeah. Shaggy. Oh, really? Oh, my God. That's going to be oh, great. God. Well, people have been petitioning for Shaggy. Mortal Kombat 11 director said no, I think. Oh, oh come on. Come on, Ed Boone. <laughs> do, do us this one solid. Get, get the licensing somehow. Well, and it's Warner Brothers, right? You would think. I mean, I, I would assume that they would probably be able to get the license kind of easily. Ed Boon, he, he teased Shaggy, though. Oh, man, it would be so cool. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, for collateral cinema, we should totally do the Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, hell yeah. The first one is a, is a good a, idea. Oh, classic, yeah. classic oh, movie. Yeah. I, I love that shit. <laughs> you know what we should do? It Man. Oh, It Man is... It Man was great. It Man is solid. I think I've seen the second one on Netflix. I saw the second yeah. and the third. Mm-hmm. Second and third. Awesome. Yeah. 
Bruce Lee's teacher, pretty much. Yes. Well, going back to Monty Python, a lot of the actual themes of this movie is really about the absurdity of life in the face of actual meaninglessness. And it, I mean, it's a very existential concept, you know? I mean, yeah. it's, so it goes back to, like, Camus. Like, he, he pretty much went all in on the absurdity. I mean, he was just like, you know, there is no meaning to life, so just fuck it. Right. Ba- basically, in a way, like uh, like Rick Sanchez's approach to nihilism, kind of. It's more of a Camusian type of thing, if that's the, the word for it. Absurdist comedy, nihilism. Yeah, it, 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 there is a very nihilistic core to Monty Python's actual humor and the way yeah. that they approach the philosophy behind that humor. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. And, and that, that absurdity, it, it just undercuts everything that actually happens on screen and therefore the actual lives of the characters they're in. That, that's actually the way that I see it, at least. What do you think, Dakota? What do I think? Great big chunks of land. <laughs> Great big tracks of land. Huge tracks. Huge tracks. Huge tracks. Yeah. I'm still just <laughs> learning about all this. I'm just taking all this in, you know. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> a, it's a lot to, it's a lot of interesting history and also it's really it really shows you how to really make a movie kind of without making a movie in a way <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. You know? But also, religion is really, really skewered throughout this movie. Like, for instance, the, the holy hand grenade scene. I mean, it, it really shows how dense and pointless scripture can actually be when you really get down to it. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's chapters in the Bible and in the Quran that are just that mundane and banal and just putting forth a bunch of different traditions or laws or yeah. everything. And, and a lot of it can have a cyclical feel to it. Yeah, well, I know like Leviticus and Deuteronomy in the Bible, they're, they're spent just on like laws and stuff, and, yeah. like, old laws and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that book of the armaments, it kind of has that feel to it. Yeah. You know, where it's, it's just like, man, this is so tedious. Why even write this shit? Right. It's like, is this God speaking? Is God this fucking tedious and anal? Yeah. Well, that's how it was, you know, before Jesus was crucified. Yeah. That was what it was, that's what it was getting at. Is that's how it was, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what you had to do. You couldn't eat sheep unless you did it in a certain way, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then th- that's coming from Mosaic Law, more or less. Yeah. You know, that shit is kind of further elaborated upon in Life of Brian, you know, which really, really, really even takes the religious criticism even further. That's interesting. And also, that's a, that's a, also a way more political movie than this one as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that further skewers left-wing politics. Do you, like, have, do you have Life of Brian? I have sure. Life of Brian. Oh, I have, nice. I have uh, the special edition DVD and I have the Criterion DVD. Oh, shoot. Then we need to watch it, bro. Yeah, oh, certainly. Definitely. Yeah. No, no. That's that's essential. I mean, I'm surprised you guys haven't they even s- seen yeah, it. Yeah, they said that Life of Brian is better than oh, yeah. Monty Python. Sorry. Yeah, it, it's better than this <clears> one. Yeah, totally. And I, I agree 100%. It's a far funnier, far more developed movie. And... It, it actually has more of a real plot to it. It has an actual structure, and it still has that Monty Python feel to it. Like it'll still, uh, it'll still have the multiple characters. It'll still that are played by the Pythons. It'll still have a lot of the satire. It'll still even have some stuff that comes out of left field. But that one actually has the whole uh, story about Brian and how he's mistaken as a messiah and how, what that leads to. <laughs> you know, and he actually gets a girlfriend even. You know, that he's interested. He gets involved in a left-wing political group that's uh, trying to take down the Romans and the... I'm not, I don't think they try to take down the, the religious Jewish authorities, but mainly the Romans. 
And no more singing. Ever done for us? No more singing. <laughs> I've seen that song, that scene in uh, Life of Brian. Are you? Oh yeah, where he's uh, writing the graffiti. Or yeah, yeah, and then they say, "What have the Romans ever done for us?" And then, and then the sol- the Roman soldier corrects him, and he's like, "Now you're going to write this all over this wall until you get it right." <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I, we, we saw that in Latin class. Oh, they actually show that scene to you in Latin class. Yeah, nice. Yeah, because that's a real funny take on Latin. Yeah, actually, but also this movie really questions social hierarchy in general. You know, especially by having such a buffoonish supposed King Arthur here. Yeah. I mean, going back to the anarcho-syndicalist scene, I mean, he, he doesn't have total control over all of his subjects. Even when he's walking by, nobody really recognizes him as king. In the Bring Out Your Dead scene, mm-hmm. where he references, oh, that must be a king because he's not covered in shit. So um, all they say is that he's a king, which I think is actually might be pretty historically accurate for that time because there was a period where England wasn't really unified like that. Oh, yeah. You know, like it didn't become like the United Kingdom is today. So they had they had a civil war and everything. They had a few civil wars and revolutions throughout its history, and 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 yeah, I mean it actually kind of uh, makes sense in this movie. Yeah, because I mean King Arthur's story that can be seen as kind of an extension of a lot of the political and religious strife that was going on at the time. It was, it was they wanted a unified England, you know. So I mean there there's kind of power in that. Yeah, the Crusades. Yeah, definitely. It the the Crusades. They may be kind of referenced here, you know, because this was uh, contemporaneous to the Crusades. Yeah. Crusades and then the Crucible. The Crusible. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's an entirely different thing, the, bro. I know, but it makes you think of the Crucible, too. It does, kind of, right? Well, at some point, you know, there's a witch. Burner. Because the Crusade was one of those things, or the many Crusades that happened, that was one of those things that were well-intentioned and did actually lead to some good historical uh, ties to other countries that set up trade routes, but... Yeah. Other than that, it was a it was a massive failure. It didn't even didn't really increase England's or Christianity's standing in the world, really. Like Joan of Arc, right? Yeah, yeah, Joan of Arc. That's an interesting story, and a couple of interesting movies tied to her. Yeah. <laughs> like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> I was yes. thinking that, bro. Oh, I mean, you know, it, I mean, I, I was going to bring up the Passion de Joan de Arc. That's a French movie. The Passion of Joan of Arc, which is a classic movie. Yeah. I think it's a silent movie, actually. So, I mean, that's something I got to show y'all as well. But, yeah, I, I just thought of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, you know. Because, stoner comedy. Yeah, oh, stoner comedy. Number three is coming out, too. Oh, it's gonna be shit. It, it's, it's funny because Keanu Reeves just looks like yeah, John Wick oh, yeah. all the time like now. John Wick. Of course. All I mean, he, yeah. j- he just looks like John Wick now to me. Like, for a while, he just looked like Neo. Now it's just John Neo, Wick. Yeah, now it's John Wick. Yeah. That's it. That's all you see him as. It's just like, like a, a badass character. Yeah, it's he just like, plays that. So now character. you're gonna you're gonna play this really really crazy stoner guy again, man. <laughs> it's like, dude. It's like, I mean, what the fuck, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'll still watch it. Oh um, yeah, it's gonna be great. Heck yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that's interesting to me at the very least. Put all his John Wick money into it. Right? <laughs> uh, yes. Producing it, right? <laughs> man, Keanu. Man, Keanu is He's the, the man. shit. He's the man. He's the man. The meme, the legend. The legend himself. Yes. The legend himself, man. I mean, seriously, I I can't get enough Keanu Reeves movies. They shouldn't have. Fortnite skin. They shouldn't have yeah. remade Point Break, dude. They shouldn't have remade that. Nope. No, there, there's no reason to remake Point Break. Nope. Playing Keanu off of Patrick Swayze was just classic. Yeah. Swayze, Keanu, and 
Spoon Moore. Wasn't right. wasn't Busey involved in that? Gary Busey. Gary, Gary Busey was Gary Busey. motherfucking yeah. Busey. Oh my Busey. god. Yeah, no. Right. Oh dear God. I, I I'm traumatized now. I, I'm traumatized from Ginger Dead Man. Ginger Dead. Yeah, sure. That, that movie too. was terrible. <laughs> I think I have one in three. I don't have the. I I one. normally really really like full moon production movies, but that movie was just. Uh, I, I didn't like it. First Ginger Dead Man, yeah, it's like classic. That got milk scene defeated me. The movie, <laughs> that movie defeated me. It, 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 it just punched me in the gut, and I was just gone. I was like, ah, uh, no. Yeah, I feel you. And the, the third one was like Saturday Night Fever or something. And then he took on Evil Bong. It's like a yeah. Oh my god. Oh, we gotta watch that one. Hey, those Full Moon uh, production movies, they have a humor style that can be kind of uh, Monty Python-esque and sometimes. You just picked up a couple of trolling films too, right? Yeah, that's another movie company and a set of movies that can have a little bit of a Monty Python feel to it. And that goes into our one of our final talking points here is about the massive cultural and comedic impact that this movie and that Monty Python as a whole has had on comedy and on movie making in general. Then we best leave them here and carry on on foot. Dismount! Behold the cave of Carpano! Right. Keep me covered. What with? Just keep me covered. Too late. There he is. Where? There. What, behind the rabbit? It is the rabbit. You silly sod. What? You got us all worked up. Well, that's no ordinary rabbit. That's the most foul, cruel, and bad-tempered rodent you ever set eyes on. You tit. I saw my arm and I was so scared. Look, that rabbit's got a vicious street a mile wide. It's a killer. Get stuck. He'll do you a treat, mate. Oh, you yeah? manky Scots git. I'm warning you. What's he do? Nibble your bum? He's got huge, sharp... He can leap about. Look at the bones. Go on, boys. Chop his head off. Right, silly little beater. One rabbit suit coming right up. Did you listen to me? Oh, no, you knew it all, didn't you? Oh, it's just a harmless little bunny, isn't it? Well, it's always the same. I always oh, tell them, up. do they listen to me? Tight. Oh, no. Shut another frontal assault, that rabbit's dynamite. Would it help to confuse it if we ran away more? Oh, shut up and go and change your armor. Let us taunt it. 
It may become so cross that it will make a mistake. Like what? Well... Have we got bows? No. We have the holy hand grenade. Yes, of course! The holy hand grenade of Antioch. It is one of the sacred relics Brother Maynard carries with him. Brother Maynard, bring up the holy hand grenade. How does it, um, how does it work? I know not, my liege. Consult the Book of Armaments. Armaments, chapter 2, verses 9 to 21. And Saint Attila raised the hand grenade up on high, saying, O Lord, bless this thy hand grenade, that with it thou mayst blow thine enemies to tiny bits in thy mercy. And the Lord did grin, and the people did feast upon the lambs, and sloths, and carp, and anchovies, and orangutans, and breakfast cereals, and fruit bats, and large... Skip a bit, brother. And the Lord spake, saying, First shalt thou take out the holy pin, then shalt thou count to three, no more, no less. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four shalt thou not count, neither count thou two, excepting that thou then proceed to three. Five is right out. Once the number three, being the third number, be reached, then lobbest thou thy holy hand grenade of Antioch towards thy foe, who, being naught in my sight, shall snuff it. Amen. 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 Right. One, two, five! Freezer! Three! I mean, obviously, shows like Family Guy, Rick and Morty, South Park. I mean, those are movies that... Th th those are shows that, you know, you definitely see the absurdity and the you know, going in and out of the actual storyline and everything and the non-sequitur elements. Like, especially a Family Guy. That's all Python right there. Like, straight up. That's straight Monty Python. All the that's dancing, like it's the Cleveland show or something. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty so much all of that, maybe save for American Dad, I mean, it really has that undercurrent to it, right? Yeah. What do you think, Ash? God damn it, Ash, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I, I know we did not give you any inebriants. <laughs> no. I know this. I watched you. That's right. You're all pissing me off now. Oh, I can't wait for the Suicide Squad episode. This is going to be great. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's going to be hilarious. New Harley Quinn movie, too. <laughs> I'm, I'll check out the new Har Harley Quinn movie, that's gonna actually. It's going to be great. After I'll, Suicide Squad, we're not going to think of each other the same ever again. I do yeah. like that movie. I don't know. For some reason. I did too. I loved it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, we'll, we'll, we'll get Jared to Little's it, guys. We'll we'll get to it. We'll it's at the, the beginning. Save the discussion. It's at the beginning of the, the next season. And God damn it! Uh, I should just make y'all motherfuckers watch Necromantic just for that. Like seriously, I should just subject you to ne Necromantic, 
and you'll thank me later. <laughs> Just like you uh, subjected us to pistachio disguising. You did that to these guys. They didn't even know what that. They didn't even know what it was. <laughs> we had no idea, Bo. We never heard of it. I, I watched. I watched Master Disguise when I was a kid. Oh, that's right. You told me that. Oh goodness. Yeah, we know. We talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got a whole episode on it, Bo. Why are we talking? Must have been a good movie, huh? A whole episode. <laughs> I, we we had to do it. But fuck it, it you know, worth it. it was worth it. But yeah, a lot of Adult Swim's humor is also very Python esque, don't you think? You know, to a, to a certain degree. Like, I mean, I know that stuff like Rick and Morty and Family Guy that's on Adult Swim. I mean, Rick and Morty especially. Like right. we, we went into that earlier. But also, I kind of feel that that more absurd and nihilistic feel. It's in it kind of can be seen in shows like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, uh, shows like C Lab. Good shows. Yeah, really, really good shows that are really, really fun and interesting. I mean, that was that was an interesting little creative period, and it's undeniable how the Pythons really kind of influenced all of that. It's very, very interesting. I, I really, really loved all of Adult Swim's shit at that time. Yeah, I remember yeah. when it was the hottest thing at that time, right? Yeah, I mean, you had, like, home movies and all of that. Mm. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a special retrospective of Adult Swim or something like that. Yeah. You know, just a, a collateral cinema special. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we could totally do it, honestly. Even though technically it's not movies. I mean, they, they have a movie, you know, Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. Yeah, okay. Which is classic. I love it. It's one of the best things ever. And it definitely owes a lot to Monty Python as well. You know, especially that, that intro scene. It has a little m- music video kind of thing by Mastodon. Yeah. And it is really killer. I love it. It's, it's so much fun. I actually saw that in theaters when it came out, like opening day. There was literally nobody else in the theater. <laughs> opening it's, day, nobody else was there. No, opening oh day, nobody God. was there. I, I, I was like me and maybe one other dude, and I just he like he was up at the front. I was in the back. He just looked at me like, "Hey, what's up, dude?" It's like, "Yeah, what's up, man?" And the movie started, and it was great. It was hilarious. That's crazy. And one, and one of my buddies, he was supposed to go with me, but he. He had a little accident where he uh, hit a car, or, or like a pregnant woman hit his car, or something like that. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah this this poor sucks. this poor lady was she was so pregnant. It was like oh man, she was like ready to pop, and he was just like oh fuck, yeah. And he didn't end up watching the movie, but I did. I was just like, well, you have fun with this. I'm going. I bought my ticket. I'm going in and watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, FYE, if that happens, I'm going to go in and watch the movie, guys. If that all ha- ever happens with any of you guys. It's like, I'll leave that for you to deal with, and I'm going to go in and watch the fucking movie. <laughs> Sounds good. And I'll tell you, I'll spoil everything. Ah. Yeah, I'll spoil rude. all of it. How rude of you, Bo? I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Oh, I'll, that, that'll just be for your, your stupidity and ignorance of getting an accident in the first fucking place. Snape killed Dumbledore. Should have known it was going Snape to happen. Snape killed... Oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> well, you know what? Thanos did nothing wrong. <laughs> nothing wrong. Perfectly balanced. <laughs> Unless you think genocide's okay. Oh, whatever. I want to get into a Marvel discussion already. <laughs> Damn it. We already better, had it. Better than DC? Oh, way better. I mean, <laughs> I, I walked into CD Exchange. They had Justice League on there. I swear to God, that movie gets worse and worse and worse every time I see it. It, it, was, it was kind of fun the first time I watched it. Yeah. But every time that I see it, I'm just like, my God, that stupid fucking Steppenwolf character. It's just, what the fuck? 
and 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 Gal Gadot, it's like the direction just fucks her acting talent to to the ground. Oh wow! Like I mean, Jason Momoa is about the best part of that movie. Of course. I mean, Affleck looks drunk all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, that movie gets worse every time I see it. Not not good. No, one out of five. <laughs> Really? Y'all showed me. Y'all showed me Justice League. Yeah, they were yeah, sold up I know. House, right? That was that was when it, it, the veneer was good. It, it, it had kind of the Phantom Menace effect. Okay. It, it was, except the actual realization it was bad came way quicker. I think it was just not. we were just coming out of uh, Batman versus Superman too. Right? Yeah, and that was less than stellar. But yeah. Batman versus Superman. God damn it! How the fuck are we talking about this shit I on mean, a Mighty Python podcast? I mean, what the fuck is going on? I mean, See, here here we are. Now we have no point. I mean, brought up, we brought <laughs> no, up Suicide no Squad our next episode. Yeah, so we're trying yeah. to like go back. I guess right. I guess so. <laughs> it's my fault. Damn it! Damn it all to hell. Fucking DC. DC. <laughs> but speaking of Marvel, there's also a good little Monty Python edge to Deadpool as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Certainly, especially with all the fourth wall breaks, which Monty Python pretty much perfected. They created it, it and beautiful. perfected it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's Python-esque. And also, I mean, just the way that that movie is structured and like the plot and how it actually ties in with the humor. Like that's very much Monty Python. Mm-hmm. I can see that. And there's even some little animation that comes in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The fucking an animation scrolls. Yeah, effects. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, whenever he's stabbed in the head, and uh, the little creatures come out, and he's just all like wonky and everything. Yes, I remember that. That's crazy. It's like, yeah. I mean, there's lots of Monty Python influence there. Not to mention Ryan Reynolds just knows how to play Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I guess, I mean, you could probably say the Simpsons took some some influence from Monty Python. Yeah. I mean, there, there are some absurd elements, but there's also a lot of more grounded elements to to the Simpsons, especially in later seasons. And they yeah. carried it for like 20 years over. Jeez. Yeah, I don't ever watch it. No. I mean, I might end up buying some of the early seasons probably. Yeah, I remember back when there was just 29 and 35, dude. All, yeah, yeah, there had. there was a uh, Fox Twenty Nine and WB Thirty Five. That's exactly. all that we had. That's all we had, dude. Like they they showed The Simpsons. They showed Married with Children. Mm -hmm. They showed Tales from the Crypt. King of the Hill. Goosebumps. King, King of the Hill. Yeah, they did King of the Hill. And eventually Family Guy, of course. I mean, a lot of home improvement. I mean, lots of home improvement. A lot, dude. Well, with Tim Allen. Yeah. <laughs> well, once that was able, once that was able to be syndicated, yeah, they they scooped that up. That's funny. Nowadays, that's the CW, right? Yeah. 35, it's C the CW? CW, no. yeah. Oh, yeah. CW, that's where a lot of DC stuff Yeah, goes. Supergirl's on there. Wow. And, great show. and Arrow and Arrow. Gotham. I think they're all connected. I think they have some so kind of universe Flash together. Arrowverse? Flash. Arrowverse, yeah. Yeah, the Arrowverse. Flash is CW, too. It's like, yeah. They have like three superhero shows going back to back. Right? That's weird. Crazy. That is weird. And once again, we're talking about superheroes on a Monty Python podcast. <laughs> what the fuck? There's no structure Fucking to our No episode. structure, no point. We're, this is all just nihilistic mumbo-jumbo. Yeah, this is the absurdist story, though, right there. Yeah, yeah there you go. Python. That's the absurdist, absurdist story. Absurdist narrative. Yeah, there you have it. I guess. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you.
It is King Arthur, and these are my knights of the round table. Whose castle is this? This is the castle of my master, Guidelwambar. Go and tell your master that we have been charged by God with a sacred quest. If he will give us food and shelter for the night, he can join us in our quest for the Holy Grail. Well, I'll ask him, but I don't think he'll be very keen. Uh, he's already got one, you see. What? He says they've already got one. Are you sure he's got one? Oh, yes, it's very nice. Uh... I told him we already got one. <laughs> well, um, can we come up and have a look? Of course not. You are English type, sir. Well, what are you, then? I'm French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? What are you doing in England? Mind your own business. If you will not show us the grail, we shall take your castle by force. You don't frighten us, English pig dogs. Go and boil your bottom, sons of a silly person. I'll blow my nose at you, so-called Arthur King. You and all your silly English niggas. What a strange person. Now look here, my good man. I don't want to talk to you no more, you empty-headed animal food trough whopper. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberries. Is there someone else up there we could talk to? No, now go away, or I shall taunt you a second time. Now this is your last chance. I've been more than reasonable. Fetch it a mush. Fetch it a mush. If you do not agree to my commands, then I shall. Ah. Jesus Christ! Ah. Oh. 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 Right. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. I think we've said all that we could really say about this movie other than, you know, watch it. Hell yeah. I mean, we, we like I said, we're more of an analysis podcast and a review podcast. That's why we didn't really, uh, we haven't really been giving like ratings to most all of this. Yeah. Maybe in the indie movie episode that's coming up real soon. After our bye week, we are going to take a break this uh, episode cycle. At least Collateral Cinema is. Collateral Gaming, I think, is going to still keep going. Right, guys? Yep, that's the plan. Yeah, because we want to release Zelda Breath of the Wild on the, the day the first Zelda game came out. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a poll, right? Yeah, that was the results of the Instagram poll. We're going to do uh, Twitter polls, YouTube polls also. Right on, right on. Hey, guys, we are now all part of uh, Chill Lover Radio. Yeah, we are now officially a part of Chill Lover Radio. You can find our... At least our first five or six episodes so far. You can find those on there. I'm sure they're going to upload more over time because they're, they're constantly uploading episodes on all the different platforms. So, I mean, it's going to take a while, but, and you know, they started off with all our older episodes, you know, so. Season one, pretty much. Right? Yeah, from season one. Yeah. Nice. We are, uh, we're super stoked to be working with Chill Lover Radio. Collateral Gaming is now a part of it. 
Yeah, Collateral Gaming is a part of Chill Over Radio as well. You'll be seeing their episodes up there very, very soon. And uh, if you use SoundCloud or uh, iHeartRadio. Yeah, or Alexa, Amazon Alexa, or Google Play. or. But yeah, you can find us on Chill Over Radio, and you can also find us on wherever you get your podcasts from. And I believe uh, with Chill Over Radio, we'll be on certain other platforms. I'm, I'm not really sure. But you can also find us on iTunes as well. And also Spotify. Spotify. Definitely Spotify. And ladies and gentlemen, here are our final thoughts. Robert, what are your final thoughts on Monty Python? You know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and watch Life of Brian and then Monty Python again one more time. Yeah, and, uh, or Holy Grail one more time? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, compare the two? Exactly. Because I don't know what you're talking about with Life of Brian, really. Yeah, you got to see it. it. That's an essential movie to, to watch. The third one, Meaning of Life, definitely something that you should check out as well. Ash? Oh, man. Like I said, uh, Holy Grail, Monty Python is kind of... That's a classic for me. Uh, this movie is a, is a must-see for any cinephile. And um, just the the comedy, the humor, the the realism, absurdism, and nihilism, man, uh, really sets this apart. It, it's a, that British standard now in cinematography, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. In Dakota? Even after the 86th time I've watched this movie, it's still a great movie. It's just as good as it was the first time. Yeah, it's great every time I, you watch it. Like, I, I try to watch it at least once a year. <laughs> we do, at, too. At the very least, I have to watch it once a year. And doing this episode pretty much gave us an excuse to watch it. You're right. So, which is always a good reason to start a movie podcast, right? I agree. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It gives us a reason to watch some of these great movies and even some bad ones. Stuff we've never seen before. Yeah. And I, I know I've shown you all some interesting stuff so far. <laughs> Eraser head. Robert? Yeah, wouldn't have known what David Lynch was, really. Yeah. Yeah, this podcast really broadens our horizons. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the point here. I want to broaden people's horizons, but also celebrate movies that we really, really like and that we have fun with, and also break down movies that need to be broken down or torn apart, <laughs> you know? Or yeah. shit on. <laughs> shit on, yeah. And my final thoughts on Monty Python. There's seriously... The only thing better than this is Life of Brian. But this really, really comes very, very close to that. I mean, the only thing that really hurts it is the lack of structure. I mean, that's the reason why it makes the humor a little stand out a little more, but it also just doesn't give you much. But then again, that's probably the point. Yeah. You know, so more than likely, that's the point. It's just meaninglessness, it's absurdity, and it is so hilarious. Watch this movie, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Once again, look for us on wherever you get your podcasts from and on Joe Lover Radio and iTunes, Spotify. And, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Collateral Cinema, out. 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 Laters, y'all. Bye. Thank you.
Collateral Cinema is an L Company production. All music 